you for this morning. God, thank you for uh, this time when we can be together and worship you and study your word together and have that koinonia fellowship with you and each other. Lord, we want to lift up our sister Shardikes to you, and she's Lord, grieving over her uh, brother's fall and a broken hip, and it, it looks like maybe, maybe God, you might be taking him home sometime soon. And um, Lord, we know that would be the ultimate healing for him to be in your presence, and we know that he loves you with all his heart and all his soul and all his mind, and we're grateful for that. So in this time of uncertainty, we pray for comfort, um, we pray for peace, and we pray, God, that um, you would just manifest your presence to them and to the family. Uh, we also want to lift up our brother Tom, a pastor there at First Southern Baptist Church. And we thank you for them. Thank you for the ministry that they have in this community. God, we thank you that um, they love you like we love you and, and that we have this unity with them even because of your son Jesus. Um, and Lord, we pray for their service this morning. We ask you to bless them, that they would um, enter into your presence. Lord, that they would be strengthened and encouraged. We also give you thanks for Tom's cancer being in remission, um, the healing that you've been doing in his body. We thankful, God, that the church has continued to grow even as Tom has missed a lot of time there. Lord, it's just a testimony that that ministry is your ministry, not his. And he's just a, a humble, willing vessel, and, and we thank you for them. So we pray a blessing upon them today. Pray for his associate pastor, Bill, and all the other people in, in that church, Lord, who are in the leadership. And lastly, Lord, we want to pray for the ladies in our church who are not here this morning at the women's retreat. As they wrap things up today, I pray, God, that the things that you, that you have spoken to them would saturate their hearts and their minds and that they would be changed on the inside, that they would be renewed and transformed, um, Lord, as they've been studying in Romans chapter two, or 12. And we thank you for our wives. We thank you for our moms and our sisters and our daughters and, and Lord, just the blessing of, uh, that you give to us because of, of, of giving us, um, us men, women. And we thank you for them. And uh, please, God, give them all safe travels as they come home to be back with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One last announcement. On um, the 23rd, we're going to do another baptism. Um, I think there's at least a couple other people that wish to be baptized um, that is supposed to be our outdoor service as well, um, and so I think I have two for sure, and, and if anyone else was at the baptism or heard about the baptism and you were inspired and you go, you know, I've not done that, I want to do that, uh, come speak to me, and, and we'll work that out for you. Also, um, George, who uh, publishes the Sentinel paper, he got baptized also, and um, he uh, has run a special article for us in the Sentinel um, highlighting the baptism. And so there's, he brought copies for all you guys. Here's the pictures of all the kids who got baptized in the river, a full layout like that. And then next week, George says, another article just like this, and it's going to highlight all of the adults that got baptized that last that was a couple Sundays ago. So please grab one, take it, and, and, and enjoy it, and, and um, send it out. So there's some really cool pictures in here, guys, some happy kids getting baptized. And I'm sure there'll be some just as well with the adults. Um, I've, I, this morning, I'm not teaching. Um, I have, we have a guest teacher here this morning, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy him. Um, in 1995, early in 1995... Um, we, were, we were still telling, attending the Calvary Chapel back in Washington State that my wife and I both gave our lives to the Lord in. Well, my wife is already Christian. She rededicated her life. I gave my life to the Lord. 
at, at that church. And um, in 1995, early 1995, maybe late 94, I don't know the exact time, but because I really wasn't, I didn't really even care. <laughs> but uh, Mitch Dunphy was the, past, the associate pastor of the church there, and Marty Adkins was the worship leader. And they stood up on a Sunday morning and said, hey, we're leaving. God's called us to go plant a church in Colorado. And um, I was raised in the Catholic Church, and so um, I was still a lot of that kind of stuff in me. And I always thought, these guys are weird. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to go plant a church? I didn't know how that worked. I'd never heard anything like that. And, and I was like, I was, I was kind of bummed because I kind of like Mar- Marty's worship. Mitch, I didn't know, so I was like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> But you guys have heard the story over, over a period of time, God began to speak to my wife and I to go with them. And um, uh, when we finally uh, decided that we were going to do so, my wife contacted Mitch's wife, Marcy, who's teaching at the, pastor, or at the uh, women's retreat uh, this weekend, and um, said, we need to talk to you guys. And um, came to find out later, that, well, we wanted to talk to them and tell them, hey, God was telling us to go out with you, to come to help with the church and plant. And um, come to find out later, Mitch thought that we, my wife and I, were just going to ask for some marriage counseling. <laughs> we probably needed it, for sure. But, but he was thinking he was entering into some marriage counseling until, and then when we told him we were moving out here, that God had told us his eyes got about like that big. And later he told me that it just became more and more real for him what God had called him to do. And, and um, so for the, for, for the first, what, eight years you were here um, and pastoring and planning the church. And then God called Mitch back to Washington State. And that church there has experienced awesome, phenomenal growth. Um, it's Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities. If you ever want to check them out online, you can and see what God's done back in Washington State. Um, and uh, Mitch is here, and after all these years that you've been gone, you've been visiting a few times, but you've never had the opportunity to be here on a Sunday morning and teach. So um, even though he's a Bronco fan who lives in Washington State, I still love him. So if you guys will welcome Pastor Mitch Dunphy. I brought my Broncos cup, for sure, absolutely. At home, I am not accepted when I bring my Broncos cup up front, so it's just awesome to get to bring it here. Actually, if you guys would stand with me for just a second, and we are going to be in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read, and you can follow along here, and this is what it says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In this, you greatly rejoice, now, though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this fellowship. God, thank you for what you've been doing here. God, you've promised that um, as we follow after you, you just complete that good work that you started in us. And I pray this morning as, God, we've just gotten to see in our lives your faithfulness to come in and change us and grow us and set us free, that this morning, that as we seek after you and you only, Lord, that you would do a work, that miracle that changes our lives, that sets us on fire for you, that brings us to that place, Lord, where nothing but you will do for us. God, we're looking for you to pour out your spirit in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for having me. Obviously, um, you know, I haven't been here for 13 and a half years. I, as Sean said, um, I've, I've uh, been here a few times to visit. But it is just such a privilege, seriously, to see what God has done here in your fellowship. And actually, I got to do the men's study yesterday morning and just watching God's faithfulness to take us. And seriously, every single one of us, the Bible says, and so I don't want you to trust anything I have to say. We really want to hear what God has to say. And this is what he does say about you. What he says is that you're absolutely uniquely made. Someone that God has picked to out specifically designed you to pour out his love into your life and abundant mercy, as we read about. God's abundant mercy pours into our lives, and then despite the fact that we are in a fallen world, I'm pretty sure we're all sure we're fallen. Uh, I'm 62. Things have fallen, for sure. You know, I ride a motorcycle because... I, I'm rebellious, actually, because it's, it's kind of the way to get out and um, not be as confined. And as I'm riding my motorcycle, there's things hanging down off of my arm, and I'm like, oh, you're falling. You're getting old. And this world is falling, and this is not our hope. The Bible says for us as Christians, if you're a Christian here this morning, if not, we'll, we'll talk about that. What it says, though, is that God absolutely is going to do a work even though it's fallen. The world's fallen. There's this moment in time with Adam and Eve where all of creation began to groan under the weight of the fall. And the fall is basically this. Man became self-centered. Instead of God-centered and other-centered, man became self-centered. And if you want to check to see if you're fallen, just see how many times you say the word I or me. In a day. And if you do that, you'll be less than encouraged with your nature as far as just being a good person. And really, all of that is the prep for allowing God to pour out his abundant mercy in our lives, allowing him to come in and do this work that he so desperately wants to do for each of us. God's looking to do a perfect work in your life beyond everything that you even know to ask him. 
God wants to fulfill you. There's a verse out of Ephesians 2.10. It says, you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. What's that work he has for you? Well, first, first, he wants to set you free. And there is a truth that the person I need to be set free from is me. Maybe my wife at times, because she knows every little um, issue that I have, and she is very, uh, she's a faithful woman to remind me, that's not so good, Mitch. And I, I love that how God uses her to complete me, but the truth is this. God has a faithful work to be um, completed in my life. He's being faithful to work in my life because, and actually, this is really important. God's looked at you, and he's called you, and he's, he's sent his Holy Spirit. God's Spirit comes alongside of us, whether we're believers or unbelievers, and he begins to speak to you about truth and what's right and what is absolutely the most important things of having a life that's free from just being all about you. So when we get to 1 Peter, and, and now I'm actually going to start the Bible study. Actually, and by the way, one of the things that you see in 1 Peter is Peter's going to talk about three basic things in the entire book. Now, obviously, I'm not going to get through all of the book, but in that process, he says he's going to talk about salvation, he's going to talk about submission, and then he's going to talk about suffering. And we're not going to touch suffering. That's, I'm going to let Sean teach on that for sure. But in, in that submission, that second part, I have to be willing to submit. Sean told me I had to be done at 10 after. I've really ha- I really have to hurry because his announcements went long, I'm just saying. I'm like, wait a minute, you told me I had to be on time. You went a little long on announcements. I I was clocking you. No. The truth is, as you look at this book that God put on the heart of Peter to really talk about salvation and submission and suffering and what God wants to do in your life, you recognize the man that God used to write the book of 1 Peter. The guy's name is Simon. It got changed. We call him Peter now. But Peter is just an interesting character. I love Peter because there is a truth about Peter. Peter is this guy that's all in. Not always for good, but he's always all in. He's going to step out and he's going to do something. And so if you get nothing else out of the message this morning, I would just encourage you to be like Peter. Go all in. Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses. One of the, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is my life verse. But my favorite verse as an older Christian, as I've, I've got 30 plus years now at, of being a Christian, it is Romans 8, 28. And you, you need to write that down. Go get it. God is going to pour that truth of that verse into your life as you follow after him. And it says this, God works all things to good for those that love him, those who are called according to his purpose. That's a great verse. Here's what it means. Even though I don't do everything perfectly, God fixes it up for me. Even when I don't do it perfectly, God's coming in, and and through his spirit, through his supernatural power, he does this awesome work 
to make me into a man that reflects his glory. And that's what I want to do. We're supposed to reflect the glory of God into people's lives. Now, in me dwells how many good things, the Bible says. Zero good things. My best works are like filthy rags. I, okay, so it's not my work. It's God's work that he wants to do in my life. God really, because he designed us, and there's a truth. You know, I would, if I had two hours, I'd go into, I, you can stand and know that there's a God. You can figure it out scientifically. You can have this intelligent faith. When I got saved in um, 86, yes, that means I'm really old. When I got saved, I was 28 years old, got saved in 86, and when I got saved, this is what I knew. I I had to figure out if there was a God, and I I went through the process of looking at evolution and all kinds of issues, and I came to, I have no question logically and intelligently that there is a God, and then I came to okay, there's a bunch of religions out there, and they're saying they're right, and I need to know which one's right. And then because of a willingness on my wife and the pastor of the church that she was going to, um, their willingness to really answer my questions, I looked at the Bible and went, this book is unique. It's absolutely unique. And now I've, I've looked at that, and now I'm left with a choice, and it's about salvation, And that's what Peter's, really this great picture of Peter's life of, you know, I'm just going to get in. I'm going to dive in, and I'm going to be wild about it. Peter's the guy, you know that Jesus isn't the only guy that walked on water, right? You know that Peter walked on water? Until he realized he was walking on water, and then he was sinking. (laughs) Yeah, And, and oh, well, but he's stepping out. And, you know, there's a point in Peter's life where uh, there's a question asked um, to Jesus of who he is. And, and Jesus turns to disciples and says, who do you say I am? And Peter's answer is, man, you're, this is in the original Greek, you'll have to really study this out. You're the bomb. You, you, you are the son of the living God. You're our hope. And Jesus commends him, man. He said, oh, well done. God has revealed this to you, Peter. Later on, Jesus says to to Peter, you know, hey, I'm going to be taken to the cross. I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to have to go through a process that's going to be ugly. Again, that's in the original Greek. You can look it up. My translation in, in that place, Peter takes, goes, t- grabs Jesus. Now, this is Jesus he's grabbing. I love Peter's heart. Grabs Jesus, takes him off, and he says to him, this will never be. That's not happening. And Jesus' response is, get behind me, Satan. Wow, that, that Peter guy, I mean, he's either in or he's out. He's got some stuff going on. And, and ultimately, we see Um, Peter telling the Lord, you know, though everyone forsakes you, I will never forsake you. And then Jesus tells him, today, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. And deny me three times. Peter, oh, I will never deny you. 
well, it's never good to go against Jesus. Like a really wise statement would have been, can you fix that for me? (laughs) Can you change my heart? But Peter is is all in, and, and being zealous is very, very awesome. But you can be zealous and not have wisdom. And part of what I uh, felt like God was talking to me about is, is just looking at what God wants for us as Christians. So actually, the name of this fellowship, the name that the Lord gave this fellowship is out of First Peter chapter 2. And this is what it says. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And God has done this awesome work, and he has built you guys on a solid stone. And that's part of the deal I I, I just want to say before I run out of time is, you know, we stand in truth. As Christians, if I'm not right as a Christian, I need you to come and fix it for me. And I've been wrong twice. My wife will tell you. You can ask her when she gets back. That was twice in the last couple hours, probably. (laughs) I I absolutely can be wrong, but what I know I want, and I, I would just encourage for every one of you, okay, For every one of us, the one thing we should want is truth. Because, see, Jesus is that solid rock. I have truth. There's certain things that I got when I got saved. I was able to stand on this solid rock of truth. And it's Jesus, obviously. But then I'm supposed to become like him. I'm supposed to have this solid rock where rivers of living water flow out of my life, the Bible says. And it comes from not from knowing everything, because we don't. It, it comes from knowing the one that does know everything. He knows it all. He's so good. He's got the wisdom. We can stand solidly. When I first got saved, I, I, I'm sitting in my pickup truck. I pray. I've gone through a whole process, and I know a couple things. If this Jesus is real, and he sure looks like he is, and he's changed my wife's life, if he's real, I want, I want this forgiveness thing that my wife has been telling me about, this freedom, this joy, this peace. Galatians 5.23, the fruit of God's spirit is love, joy, peace. There's others alongside. I didn't need Again, Sean will talk to you about the long-suffering part of Following Jesus. I, I'm going to be the happy guy. Love, joy, peace. And it's all happy. I love that I get, even get to be long-suffering for the Lord. But I know that in that place where God comes pouring into my life, that there's going to be something different. And so I'm looking at my wife, and I want that difference in my life. And I'm sitting there, and I go, okay, if you'll, if you'll forgive me, because... There's a, there's a truth. I'm not a good person. You, you ask me if I'm a good person, I will tell you I am the worst person I know. I, I sin less, but I'm not sinless. Sin less is, you should have saw how many times I would cuss in an hour, in a minute before I was a Christian. 
I, I mean, I know what my heart's like. I have the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. And I love, actually, I, I told the story um, on myself to the guys here. I'm an old guy. I know it officially. I pulled out in my pickup truck without, I, I, I mean, I had clearance to get in tr- um, through traffic. I had to really go a little fast, not breaking the law. <laughs> but I miss the fact that as I'm going across the two lanes, there's a center divider. And I've launched my pickup truck up in the air. And I know that I'm still a Christian because I didn't have anything come out of my mouth other than, what in the world is going on? And I I got done bouncing across lanes of traffic, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, I'm still a Christian. Not that that's the standard. But honestly, that God's changed me. And there's a depth to this personal relationship that that. The Lord has for us. He takes Peter, and Peter's writing this book to this group of people that are under persecution. They've been sent out because people don't want to hear what they have to say about the truth of Jesus' love for them. That without him, they have no hope. You know, that's, that's what we teach as Christians. You know what Jesus says? You're either for me or you're against me. There's no two two options. You've you've either made me Lord. Lord, that means he gets to run your show. Or then if he's not Lord, then whose side are you on? And there's only one other side. And you really have to think about it. Are you Lord of my life? So I'm there and I say, please forgive me. And I guess receive waves of being clean. For the first time that I could remember, I felt clean. And this is, in that moment, this is what I knew. Um, my life is going to have to change. There's going to be less cussing. I'm not going to be drinking like I was. And, and I'm going to have to watch where my eyes look. That, that's the depth of what I knew. I'd grown up as a Mormon, and I s- certainly knew the Ten Commandments. I knew some issues about Um, things that God goes, hey, your life needs to be reflective of holiness, of goodness, of of caring about others and not just yourself. And so I'm like, okay, that's the deal. I get clean, awesome, and he gets to change me. And he gets to be the one that tells me what's right to do. That's the deal. That's what God wants in our life. And it, it is so freeing when we begin to see the simplicity of that. So Peter says to us in verse 3, and this is going to be in 20 minutes or less, so hang on. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. You know you have to be born again. Begotten us again to a living hope through abundant mercy. Folks, this is what I just want to encourage you with. I, 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 this changes your life. It, it sets you in places that are solid. How much mercy and grace does God pour, has God poured out on you today? We, um, I went back and prayed with a couple guys before service, and one of the guys was praying. It's actually Martin. You can, I just want to take any reward away from him. 
Because, you know, you're supposed to keep your left hand from knowing what your right hand is doing. And actually, if uh, I'm sure it's true here. It is absolutely true at my home church that when someone, if I'm around, I'm, I'm around a bunch of pastors, and if one of them talks about something good that God did through them, we clap for them. And then we go, you got your reward. And then they hate you. Yeah. But they do it to me all the time, so it's only fair. We're really loving that way. I'm just joking. Martin's praying this morning, and you know what he prays? First thing that Martin prays is just, God, you know, forgive me for my sin today. Forgive us for our sin today. Now, I, 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 I got up this morning, and I got in the Word, and I'm studying and just praying and asking God to show me what to talk to you guys about. And this is what I know. I need forgiveness. I need abundant mercy. It didn't make me holy. The only holiness, the only righteousness that I have comes from going, Jesus, give me your righteousness. God, yes, forgive me. You you know that old saying? You wake up in the morning and go, God, man, my day's gone awesomely. You know, I really haven't any problem, had any problems. I really haven't struggled yet, but I'm about to get up. And I know you better kick in here because I'm involved in all of that. You have to be in a place where you recognize God's abundant mercy in your life. It brings joy. It brings just refreshing. God's spirit pouring into your life, assuring you of his great love for you. Because listen, if you know of his great love for you, you're going to be able to share that great love with others. It won't, you won't have to try. You won't have to set your, your goal of witnessing to people. Man, I have to tell a story. It'll be quick. I have a, a, a guy that I'm discipling right now, a really cool guy, gone through some really hard things, and he gets saved. He's 30, 31 years old. Gets saved, and he's going, he actually is divorced now. He's going through a divorce. He got saved because of the mess that got made in the midst of that. So I'm just talking to him about, hey, you need to go out and, and really share, you know, uh, you know, what God's doing in your life. And he had never done that before. So he went to Portland, which in Portland, they're weird. I mean, they are weird. They make Boulder look normal. I just picked on Boulder. That was so fun. We, we talk about Seattle and Washington. but So Portland makes them look everybody else looked normal. He's there, though, and he goes, okay, you know what? I just want to serve God, and he's going to get his coffee, and this guy comes up to him and goes, hey, hey, man, can, can you buy me a cup of coffee? He goes, you know what? Okay, this is my opportunity. I'm going to go share with the first guy he's ever shared with, right? He's going to share Jesus. He doesn't know exactly how. He knows that it's just he wants to turn outwards, not get all focused on himself. He wants to turn outwards. So he starts... He goes and buys him a coffee and gets him a, a, something to eat. And, he go, and then he goes, you know, I'm just going to do this in the name of Jesus. He goes, listen, I, I just want to tell you about Jesus. And the guy stops him and goes, really, you don't need to. And then, then my friend begins to look at him, and he realizes he wasn't as discerning as he might have been because the next words out of this man's mouth was, I am Jesus. 
And sure enough, he had long hair, and he was in a robe, and you might have wanted to figure that out. (laughs) So his whole um, attempt at pouring out into somebody's life was met with, I'm Jesus. And, you know, if I was him, I would have said, okay, then you make us some coffee. (laughs) And it it needs to be the best coffee I've ever had, because that's exactly what Jesus would do. All of that is just really being aware that God has an ability to give us his love and his joy to pour out into the lives of people around us. And if you don't have that, then maybe you're not looking at things the way the Lord wants you to be looking at them. So it goes on in verse 4, and it says this. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so, as we go through here, uh, the first part, you know, the things that I want you to get is there's an abundant, abundant grace. And the next part is this. God absolutely is not going to be your debtor, the Bible says. When you give something to God, when you allow him access to your life, God I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not going to say that you like it all, but he is going to do a work. And it is going to be an awesome work. And he's got this life designed for you. And actually, I'm teaching uh, through the book of Revelation. I I just finished Revelation 21 this last week. And you go through Revelation 21, and there's a new creation made. And this is what it says. Every Tear is dried. There's no more sorrow. There's nothing messed up. See, this is not our home. This is all good. But that old saying, that is absolutely true. For people that don't know Jesus, this is the only heaven they'll ever know. For Christians, this is the only hell we'll ever know. I really like that. But that truth has to be reflected in how I live my life, knowing that God has better plan for me, knowing that I am a stranger and a pilgrim here. This is not my home. I'm tent camping right now. I'm 62. Tent camping, you may think it's fun. It's not. (laughs) It just hurts. I'm all about the RV I'm all about going to heaven. That's the best that I can ever hope for. God's got this absolute joy for us, and he's got these promises. John 10, 28 says this, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And this is why I'm saying that, that why I'm, I'm talking about that verse. You know, um, for 2,000 years, there's been people on, the, on either side of the issue of, you know, predestination and free will. Can you... Can you lose your salvation? How does that work? Again, I, I, I promise, I, I would love to answer that question. I just need you to wait till the day after the rapture. And then I'll answer it for you perfectly. You won't ask me, but I will have the answer for you. And here's the deal. God goes, some, 
some things are a mystery. But I'm just going to approach it from, from the promise of God. And there's two sides. We need to continue in the faith, and there, there's absolutely those, those issues that you have to look at. And matter of fact, through First Peter and, and Second Peter, Peter really deals with it awesomely, saying, you're not going to understand all of this. See, God's bigger than us. We don't understand him completely. If you can understand God completely, then he's not God because he's too small. God needs to be bigger than we are by the very nature of it. Wow, I have so many things in my head, I can't go off on them. Here I go. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I was in Bozeman, Montana here a couple weeks ago, and I end up at a planetarium, and they're doing this stuff on the... And it's really fascinating, but they're, they're just talking about um, how the, the cosmos works and different issues. And one of the things that I've never seen happen from a um, secular scientific um, statement, because that's what I, I was getting at that point, is they said, what we know now is the spark of life came from the cosmos. Oh, really? Because we, we've, uh, and again, scientifically, we figured out evolution doesn't work. There can't be this moment where an inorganic um, compound somehow organized itself into life. That's impossible. So they've recognized there's a God. And this is what I'll, I will say about that is the God that I know is so much greater than my understanding. He, everything he does is beyond my capacity to fully understand. Now, the Bible does say, I'm, I'm going to know as I'm known then. I'm going to get a changed nature. And actually, this is a promise that I want you to hold on to because it's not my promise. The Bible says that we're going to be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be snatched out of there, out of here, and the corrupted will put on incorruption. You're no longer going to be bent towards selfishness, self-centeredness. And everyone you talk to will be absolutely honest. Don't even have to worry about it. Every eye is dried. There, there's no more sorrow. There's, it's all done. And then the Bible says it takes all of eternity for God to show you how much he loves you. That's what we're looking for. And when I look at salvation, that, all of that is part of what God's given us. See, there has to be a depth to our relationship with the Lord. And I have to understand he's big. God picked you. God's not, actually in Second Peter, Peter writes, God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Everyone. There's no one that God's willing to go to hell. His desire is that everyone would come to know him. Now, the truth is this, the most important thing to the Lord, the thing that he puts the most value on, and you can tell from everything that the Bible says, is your right to choose. Since that's one of the most incredibly important things you can ever focus on. When you choose him, they throw a party in heaven for you. Angels go, yeah. A life changed. A destiny from going to hell to an eternity of everything that is awesome because you chose to follow a God 
that has abundantly poured out his love and his mercy and his grace. And that's from this guy, Peter's heart, that God has built in him to understand, I want to give you this. These guys have been persecuted, and he's giving them this truth of, man, it is all about knowing that God has you and that you can trust him. Very specifically, Jesus said, no one can snatch you out of my hand. No one can snatch you out of God's hand. There's warnings, and we obviously won't get to them this morning. (laughs) And those warnings are this. You stay in his hand. Here's the deal. Choice means don't go jump off his hand. Don't walk away. And so there's stuff that that he goes on to say. So in verse 5, this is what Peter says. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And I know that every one of you in here has been grieved by various trials. But this is passing away. And then he says this in verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes through it, is, uh, is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The genuineness of your faith. See, there has to be a genuine faith. A genuine faith that says, I trust God more than anybody else. Me and Sean were talking this morning, and I asked him, so who do you trust? And, and man, he was going to list some guys off. And I, there's guys that I trust, and I trust my wife. He did say he trusts his wife. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell Autumn that because I don't want to give him any points. I, she'll have to listen to the message to get that. But, but honestly, you know, there's people that I have a trust for. There's no one I trust like Jesus. I stand with him before I stand with my wife. My wife has put up with me for 30-plus years. I'm sure the ladies at the retreat have stories about me for sure. She has put up with me, and she's been faithful, and she has hung in there, and I just love it. I, everybody in my family, seriously, has been through a divorce. And God has kept me from that. Now, everyone in my family, that's my mom right there, by the way. I just, so, hey, mom, raise your hand. There she is. <laughs> uh, I, I don't get a chance to embarrass my family, so I'm going to take that, that opportunity. Everybody in my family has gone through and just seen destruction from divorce. Everyone in my family went, the person most likely to get divorced in my family was me. <laughs> Actually, when I got married, they're like, oh, this isn't a great idea. You're going to end up divorced. Yeah, yeah, well, I, good enough. At least I got married. And in that, in that process of God coming into my life, I've been married now for 37 years. I got that one right. And, and truthfully, I never expected that, and it's the hand of God, God's blessing into my life. And, and I, I watched God give me this woman and really make her into a woman that, that challenges me, that makes me more godly, that helps me be a person that's other-centered and not just self-centered. 
And God has just blessed that, that willingness on my part, whatever willingness there is, to go, God, what you say. Me and my wife, um, before we became Christians, we'd get in a fight and, and we'd go, I'm going to divorce you. She said it more, just so you know. And we became Christians and we went, okay, you know, I go through the Bible. Okay, there's a couple reasons for divorce, but, but basically this, we, we go, we're not saying the, the D word anymore. No more D word. It, that's something that does not happen in my house, hasn't happened in 25, 26 years. We do say death or dismemberment, but no D word. It's God's radically changed us because I'm willing to have a genuineness of faith. What's God think about things? And that's where I'm going to wrap it up here this morning. When you're making decisions, you have to find out what Jesus says about it. Not what I say, certainly. Do not trust anything I say. You're supposed to be Bereans, and I know Sean, and I really love that guy. Because this is what I know about him. I, it, it kills me to give him a, a compliment because that's our relationship. If, he, if we're saying something good about each other, we're probably mad at each other because, yeah. But honestly, I love that he just loves Jesus. I love that he just trusts the word. I love that I can trust him with that. And that's who you want to be. And it's, that's not to pump Sean up because... You, you shouldn't put your trust in Sean or anyone. You put your trust in Jesus. So all of that, guys, as, as you allow God to really change your life and set you free, make sure that you have a truth to your life that's reflected in the genuineness of faith, that you're following him, that you're going to his word, that you're not listening to the world. Because, listen, truly, in our world today, there's lots of people saying, Jesus says this. And, and they're making, they're taking a verse out of context. They're taking a principle that, that um, it is not sustainable through the word. And they're making it this truth that ends up sending people to hell. I am out of time. So I, I, I'm, there's lots of examples of, of it. I absolutely trust Jesus to be speaking to your hearts. I know he is. What, what are there, is there anything in your life that's not submitted to the Lord, that you're not in agreement with his word and the depth of it? And if there is, man, make sure that that's right, that you're going to go find out what God has to say about an issue and that you're going to stand with him. Because this is what he does, and, and this is where I'll leave it. When we put our trust in him, God's going to pour in, and he's going to fix things. He's going to pour in love and mercy and goodness and truth. See, everything has to be done with two things as Christians, in love and in truth. Just love is no good. Just truth, it's not good. Love and truth, it's awesome. And, Later on in this chapter, it says, we're supposed to be known by our love for one another. Have fervent love for the brethren. How, how do I do that? Just pour out God's love and mercy into the people's 
that God brings into your life, pour out his love and mercy. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these people. God, thank you for the work that you've done here and just the privilege it is to be in your word and watch how you change and you grow and you love on us. You redeem the years that the locust ate, that our sin just messed up. And you take us from this moment, and you've said that for these people that you're going to do this awesome work. And God, I I just am going to boldly ask you to do an awesome work. Give them a double measure of your spirit. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.